Are you dealing with a stressful situation? Perhaps you're dealing with the loss of a job, the breakup of a significant relationship, or the passing of a loved one. All of these bring their own level of stress, but even more so if we find ourselves in more than one of these situations at a time. In this video and episode, we're going to look at different strategies and skills we can develop to help us work through the situations and emotions while getting God's help all through it. If this is the first time we're meeting, my name is Chris, and this is Foundation Bible Studies, where I seek to help connect you with your creator in Jesus Christ, both informationally and experientially, to help you find the significance and purpose that you were created for. Any and all resources mentioned in this video will be linked down below. Now, along with that intro, I am a licensed psychiatric technician here in the state of California, which holds the same license level as an LVN, except we focus more on the mental health and developmental disability aspect of healthcare. And I am an entry level license to mental health care. If you're looking for more in-depth help, look up your local social services or human services. Try to find a psychologist that can help you at a much deeper level than I currently can, as well as I hold a bachelor's of psychology as well. So with that, you are in safe hands and let's dive into the content. And so here it does say coping as a Christian. Most of these things that we're going to talk about are universal, but I feel Christians don't typically get into the mental health care aspect of things. We find that uh, perhaps we have the wrong perception and idea and concept that mental health care, that these practical things are outside of the scope of faith or anything like that. And as we get towards the end of this lesson and video, we're going to see that these practical means that we can find in mental health care practice are things that we also find within the scriptures if somebody will point them out to us. So coping as an individual coping as a Christian, what are coping strategies? Well, we want to find out what coping is in general to have an idea of what it means for those of us. Maybe we don't have a clear idea. Coping deals with the adjustments we make in unusual or stressful situations. So it is the changes that we make, the things that we do when we find ourselves in stressful situations. Some of these can be good, some of these can be bad, and some of these many times don't pop up until we find ourselves in unusual or stressful situations. So perhaps a losing of a job, what are we doing to cope? The breakup of that significant relationship, what are we doing to cope? What are we doing to handle the stress? Uh, the passing of our loved one. This year alone, just family-wise, biological family, I've lost three loved ones this year, two aunts and an uncle, not including church family, close friends and family, just had the passing of somebody else that was close to our family just yesterday. And it, yeah, if it wasn't for God and his spirit, man, where would I be? And so that's kind of where I want to get us to towards the end. But coping deals with the adjustments we make in unusual or stressful situation. Another point to make is coping is a process. It is not an event. Coping is not a one-time thing. It is a process. Even in living for God, even being spirit-filled, even being part of a spirit-filled church, coping is still a process. We have people in our church that have lost parents this year, that have lost loved ones, very close loved ones this year. And just in talking with them, you know, they share how different ways that they're coping or working through the missing or the, the process of missing their loved ones or their various situations. So coping is a process. It is not an event. It is not a one time thing. It's one and done unless the Lord steps in and just works through that moment or in that moment helps you to work through the grieving and the, the sadness that we may be experiencing, which he can. One category of strategies or skills strategies is problem or situation solving strategies. And as it sounds, it is, it, it is exactly what it sounds. This set of strategies or the strategies we develop 
for this. There's a difference between the skills and the strategies. Problem or situation solving strategies are for situations and problems that we can actually do something about. They are skills or strategies that help you deal with a source of stress. So let's see, what are some sources, some possibilities of sources and you, and let me know down below as we get into this, what are some sources of stress that you are, are coming across or that you may have in your life? So one source of stress could be a supervisor. Perhaps we, you know, depending on how long you've been in the workforce, I'm 38. And so I've been in the workforce since I was 16, 17, working after school jobs. I've had some great supervisors and I've had some horrible supervisors and I've had some that were somewhere in between. And so our supervisors, our managers can be a source of stress. Another source of stress can be a bad relationship, bad relationships, bad spouses, bad boyfriends, bad girlfriends can be a source of stress. Perhaps they have issues of their own. Now, not to demonize any person or anybody, but just the way they look at life, the way they interact with life, the way they interact with you, the way perhaps maybe, unfortunately, maybe you're the problem. Perhaps the way you interact with things, perhaps the way you respond to things, what's in us comes out. Different situations will bring out what's in us. So perhaps it's a bad relationship that is a source of stress. Another source of stress can be health issues. If there's major health issues going on before I really got into the medical field while I was still in the military serving in the United States Navy, my mom, she would share with me while I was on deployment uh, through email, she would share with me different health issues that different family members had going on. And I didn't know too much about health conditions. And so there was one time my mom, she emailed me about a very close loved one and said that they were dealing with a certain health issue and it just sounded really bad. And, and many times, thankfully, things sound worse than they are. So health issues can be a source of stress, especially if it's a more dire health issue. We think of things like things that deal with our lungs or things that deal with our hearts or unfortunately, some things like various cancers that if they're not treated properly can take us out really fast. I have health issues that I deal with because of my time in the Navy and different things. And so they can be a source of stress. Now, in talking about just some of these examples of sources of stress, what are some things, what are some strategies, what are some skills we can develop and strategies versus skills? Skills are more so things that we consistently do. So we may think of outside of coping skills, we may think of somebody who is skilled in woodwork or skilled in painting. It, this is something that they do on a consistent basis so that way things become natural to them. Strategies may change. You may approach one situation one way, approach a similar but different situation a different way. Your strategy may change, but your basic skills will continue to will continue be there if we have good skills or if we unfortunately have bad skills. So what are some skills or strategies in working through a source of stress? This is not dealing with the emotions so much, even though they elicit or they bring out the emotions. One thing we can do is we can ask support from a friend or a professional. Now, like I said at the beginning of this video, I am an entry level licensed mental health care worker. And so if you're looking for more in-depth counseling, you want to look into a clinical counselor, perhaps a family marriage therapist. If it's family issues, go talk to a doctor, a physician, get some medical help or medical guidance. Go talk to HR human resources at your job. If it's a supervisor issue, you want to find support from somewhere. You want to get maybe somebody you know, maybe if you're part of a church and you have a solid church and you're in the church God wants you in, perhaps there's somebody in your church, perhaps your pastor, somebody else, or your spiritual leader, whoever, wherever you find yourself, perhaps you go to those individuals, to that individual and you say, hey, I'm having this issue. What do you recommend? I know I'm not versed in everything. I don't have all the experience in the world. Uh, I went back to school at the encouragement of my pastor to go back to school going for my master's eventually to get into more counseling because he said he knew he wasn't trained for certain things. 
And so you want to get help from a friend or, or a professional that specializes in that field or that perhaps you know has dealt with the issues you're dealing with. You can create a to-do list. If there's things that you need to knock off, you can create a to-do list in order to see, okay, what's the first thing I need to do? Uh, what's the most important? And then what can I work down to or work up to? You can create a to-do list when you're dealing with a source of stress. And once again, you can get help from a friend or a professional to create a to-do list if that's something you need to do. You can engage in problem solving or planning. So perhaps there's something going on and Perhaps it actually you have to brainstorm. Perhaps you got to sit down and brainstorm what are the options or once again, get help, find out what the options are. And so engage in problem solving or planning. When it comes perhaps to relationships, you can establish healthy boundaries. And I don't know about the rest of the world. I know in American societies, American society is just going down the drain as seemingly as fast as possible. And we don't know what it means to have healthy boundaries anymore. And one of the, the major place I worked as a psychiatric technician, many of the patients are there because they don't know healthy boundaries. Somebody violated their boundaries when they were younger. So now they don't have healthy boundaries as adults. And so establishing healthy boundaries, get a friend. You can combine some of these strategies together. You can get support from a friend or a professional that's going to help stand with you perhaps in establishing those healthy boundaries in that relationship that perhaps a friendship or somebody's manipulating you you could get support from a friend or or a professional to help you make those initial steps as you build up your strength as you build up your mental emotional strength in establishing those healthy boundaries these these are not a one or two or three you can combine these and then unfortunately perhaps it's time to walk away or leave a situation that's unhealthy and this especially as a christian if this is more of a relational thing versus a marriage thing with the marriage thing go get counseling jesus gives us very specific input in regards to when to dissolve a marriage or when to file for a divorce. If it's a, just a relational thing where there's kids involved, once again, go get counseling, go seek out help. But if there's not, sometimes it's just time to leave a relationship. Sometimes it's time, sometimes it's time to walk away from that job. Sometimes it's time to look into a different situation. And if you're a person of prayer, seek out God's guidance, seek out God's help in and through it all because when when i have prayed and asked god for guidance there are some places i sought out and they were not the right places to go or right situations to be in and he would shut that opportunity he would cut off that opportunity he would shut that door and then he would guide or direct me to a different situation or a different opportunity and he would open up that opportunity and open up that door bad relationships i've had very bad relationships that's actually it was the on-ramp or the the merging lane for me coming to God and getting my relationship right with God the way he wants it to be back in 2009. And ever since then, uh, with God's help, by his spirit, by my pastors, by my brothers and sisters in the faith, I have developed into whatever I am, much stronger, better boundaries. My emotional boundaries and walls are not all torn down, but it was on the heels. It was in the midst of a heart-wrenching, emotionally uh, devastating relationship. Uh, sometimes, you know, I had people that were telling me, just follow your heart. My heart wanted to stay in that relationship, but God was like, when I started actually trying to get God's help and input, even then, I wanted him to fix it, but he was like, nope, it's time to cut this off. So sometimes it's okay, depending on situation, get help, get insight, get input. That's why I'm I'm encourage you find the church. If you want to find a church, there's links in the description to help you find a church. If you don't know me personally, you can come. If you know me personally, you can come to my church or I'll help you find a church. But sometimes you just got to walk away or leave a situation that is unhealthy. And last point is managing, managing time better. Sometimes just working on managing our time better will help. I'll get a piece of paper. Now, this is notes for different videos, but get a piece of paper, write down what time you go to bed, write time, write down what time you wake up, write what your day looks like. 
see you can by reprioritize things see where you can cut things out you know see where you can perhaps get some help perhaps you have older kids and you can help them you can get them involved in helping the family as a whole in in time management whatever the situation may be if you're a single parent you, you, we have to have we just have to have the right inputs and the right concepts and we got to strive to stick with it and so these are different different ways in talking about sources of stress and how to deal with those sources of stress as well as you can develop a budget if you're talking about money issues now, some of us, perhaps we don't make all that much. So that might be a, a budget may not help a whole bunch, but we can at least keep track of where our money is going. And so these are ways to deal with sources of stress. Now, if you're getting anything out of this video so far, I want to ask if you're on YouTube, like, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. So that way, whenever I make new videos, whether practical or theological or a mix of the two, you can know when those videos are available. Now, another set of strategies is the emotional social support focused strategies. Now, this more deals with how we're feeling about strategies, how the emotions that are evoked with our different situations, whether it's a situation we can change or situation we can't change. As I said, job situations, boundaries, uh, how our relationships, who we have relationships with, friendships, acquaintanceships, all these different types of relationships. Some of those can be modified. Some of those cannot. The passing of a loved one, that's a situation that we do not have control over. The health of a loved one, if they have a terminal illness, those are things that we don't have control over. And so we want to have strategies and develop skills that will help us manage the emotions that come up. The emotions themselves are not wrong. I have a previous video talking about the process of grieving. I will link that down below as well, just so you can have a good, clear idea of the process of grieving. And it's more of themes of grieving than a process from step one to five. And so check out that video as well. If that's something that you're dealing with, if you're dealing with the loss or the terminal illness of a loved one and you can get a good idea about how the grieving process or the themes of grieving go and so here we're talking about the emotional social support focus strategies dealing with our emotions helping us skills strategies things we can do to help us in managing how we're feeling so as i mentioned these help you deal with the emotions that come with circumstances outside of your control. These are things you don't have control over. You you can try as much as you want, but you don't have control over them. And so this deals with situations such as the passing of a loved one. Bad work evaluation. You, you know, perhaps you did the best you thought you could do, but you got a bad eval at work. A new living situation. Perhaps you had to move out of your control. I know because of economics, especially here in America right now, people's living situations, homelessness is unfortunately booming and the homeless population is growing. And so perhaps it's a new living situation. Perhaps it's a loss of employment. You know, the, all the emotions and thoughts and things that come with this type of scenario, these types of scenarios. And so what are things we can do in order to help us manage these things. And I'm going to get a bit into, uh, not too deep, but the biological aspects of these strategies and skills. So things like going for a walk, exercise, listening to music, painting, drawing, volunteer work, journaling your emotions, playing an instrument, self-care. Perhaps you go to the spa, get a massage. Perhaps if you're a lady, you go get a manicure, get a pedicure get your hair done, talking with friends, praying or meditating. This is my, this is one of my go-to skills right here is praying and meditating. And it's especially as a spirit-filled individual, when you can tap into the dimension of the spirit, the dimension of the supernatural, this takes on a whole different level. Engaging in a hobby. If you have a hobby, perhaps start developing a new hobby, completing a to-do list, just 
things to keep your hands busy. And I'll talk as I get to the end of this list, I'll talk through some of these. Visiting with family, talking with family. Perhaps you're you were in a bad relationship and perhaps that relationship isolated you from your family. So going to visit with family or perhaps you've been busy and perhaps that job kept you busy. You couldn't spend as much time with family. So visit with family. And so when we talk about some of these different coping skills and coping strategies, things like going for a walk, exercising, things that are actually to whatever degree are going to help you get your mind off of this situation, at least for time. Many of these things will help your body produce hormones that actually help you manage your stress. If all we do is sit and we we just go through whatever the situation is and we're just allowing it, we're going to talk about bad or maladaptive coping skills or coping strategies. It, it's just, it really wears down our body because our, our body is producing hormones that are meant to help us to cope with stress in one regard, especially like if you're getting chased by a dog your body produces certain hormones, adrenaline, and different things in order to help you manage that stressful situation. But your body can produce those same hormones in a stressful situation that is not physically threatening, and your body will begin to deplete those hormones. Whereas if you do something like going for a walk consistently, exercising consistently, or as I said earlier, you can combine some of these things together. I do it. I combine listening to music and going for a walk. I like to journal. Usually I'll journal during my prayer time. While I'm in my devotional time, my personal devotional time, prayer time, I am journaling. I have this little mini journal. I learned to write very small in the military. And so uh, I use that to my advantage. It's very mobile. It's not a big journal, but I, I like to journal. And so you can combine some of these together. Playing an instrument. You know if you're playing an instrument, perhaps it's a song that helps you uh, pour out your emotions. Self-care. You can combine some of these together. Talking with friends, going for a walk with friends, exercising with friends, um, going for a walk with family, exercising with family. Find ways that's going to help you. All these, and there's a list, there's a link below for uh, different, it's, it's a whole big long list, two-page list of different coping skills, coping strategies. Perhaps you engage in a hobby. And as I said, you can combine these coping strategies and coping skills. Perhaps you listen to music while doing your hobby. Perhaps you do this hobby with friends or you do this hobby with family or whatever the situation is. You can combine these two. And no two things are like if you're if you're married, if you're a husband, if you're a wife, you know, your coping strategies, your coping skills may be different. And that's perfectly normal. You're two different people, perhaps encourage one another in your coping skills, coping strategies. But it is perfectly normal for your coping strategies and skills to be different. And so then there is what's called proactive coping. Proactive coping will hit stick with the slide. It is where we're planning for circumstances. So perhaps, unfortunately, we lost a loved one. Perhaps they got into a horrible car accident. They died in the car accident or, or they died not too long after. Perhaps we it's a place or area we drive through consistently. And so what we can do is we can kind of coach ourselves through it or perhaps for a time we have to avoid it. We, we adjust our path home or we adjust our path wherever we're traveling to. So we're planning for circumstances. Perhaps we have, I don't know, you, you can share with me things that have happened and things that you can plan for. One example that was shared in one of the articles was perhaps you lost a loved one. You got into very bad eating habits. It became your coping strategy was eating and you gained a lot of weight. And so you went on and you decided you went on a, a plan an exercise plan a diet plan and you lost all the weight but you can look forward and you can say you know what when this time of year comes around i know i can get depressed or when i go around these people or whatever this situation and you pre-plan what am i going to do once these emotions come up what do i do to to prevent falling back into that perhaps you are somebody who we used to drink a lot. So perhaps you got to stop hanging with the people that you would drink with or areas you would drink with. My pastor shared, he shares a situation where there was a somebody that used to like to go hunting. And whenever this person went hunting with 
perhaps a certain group of friends, he would backslide. He would find himself walking away from the Lord for months at a time because he would go out there, he would drink, and then it would take him months to get to get back solid in in the Lord and, and get his footing back. And so our pastor, our elder, our pastor's dad, he told this individual, no more hunting for you. You go hunting, you start drinking, and you backslide for however long it takes them. And so you want to pre-plan. Perhaps you find a different group to go hunting with, people that have similar beliefs or the same beliefs, and you go hunting with them. And that way, they're going to help you. You're going to help you work through those situations without the need of alcohol. And so we want to pre-plan. When we pre-plan, we're not caught off guard. And one of the things is when you pre-plan and you put that plan into practice, then when those situations come up, your first reaction is going to be your pre-planned reaction. And in one of those articles, it does talk about how those who pre-planned their response had a much greater rate of success of not relapsing or getting into bad coping skills. So pre, you can pre-plan, you can have proactive coping. Now, in talking about maladaptive coping, bad or maladaptive coping, these are things that we do that are not helpful, that are not beneficial to us, to our families, to our children, to our loved ones. But it says maladaptive coping are behaviors that exhibit, that we exhibit, that cause us to avoid situations, events, and people that damage our development, restrict our growth, and cause us to fail to meet our own psychological needs. Most of this is from, most of the way it's framed, it comes from these articles that are linked in the description. And so maladaptive coping are behaviors that we exhibit, things that we do that cause us to avoid situations. Sometimes avoidance is good for a while, but overly avoiding never is helpful in the long term because it never allows us to work through and process whatever we're avoiding, the emotions, the situation. There are behaviors that that we exhibit, things that we do that cause us to avoid situations, events, and people that damage our development, restrict our growth, and cause us to fail to meet our own psychological needs. You have psychological needs. I have psychological needs. The people around you have psychological needs. And we learn, most of us are going to if not all of us learn our most common coping behaviors when we're children. So kids are going to learn their coping behaviors when they're children. Parents, we have to help our children with their coping behaviors. We can't get mad at them. We may get frustrated at times, but we help them develop better coping strategies, mechanisms. Many schools nowadays have behavioral counselors that help our children with their coping skills when they're outside of the home. And hopefully we're working with those behavior specialists, behavioral specialists in helping them develop those coping skills. So when you look at your bad coping skills, think about where, where did they stem from? What situations did they stem from? And so some of the bad coping skill origins are overwhelming stress. So perhaps something stressful comes up when we start taking part, partaking of certain things that we never did before, start doing certain things we never did before. Uh, poor treatment, perhaps bad relationship, perhaps our parents didn't treat us right, and we did certain things to cope. I had patients in our care, we had patients in our care that they would self-harm. They would harm themselves, hurt themselves as a coping strategy, which watching our psychologists and psychiatrists, they would give them other coping skills to substitute in for those self-harm coping strategies. We had people that would cut themselves. We had some people that cut off appendages. That's what they did in order to cope. So overwhelming stress, poor treatment, emotional invalidation. I try to be careful of this with my kids. Sometimes I do okay, probably not so much at others. Hopefully I'm doing better over the years. I did not grow up. I grew up street life. And so uh, what you see today is a work of God in comparison to where I came from. And you'll probably, you're probably seeing a picture of where I came from in contrast to what you see on screen. So overwhelming stress, poor treatment, and emotional invalidation. Sometimes as parents, we invalidate our kids' emotions, how they're feeling. Now, 
Perhaps we disagree with how they're feeling, but it doesn't mean that they're not feeling that. Instead, we should try to talk with them through what's going on. There are times where my youngest son, he has certain emotional things, and even my oldest one, even me, even my wife, and perhaps how they're feeling is not how we intend for them to feel, or perhaps it's a situation and we want them to see it a different way. We want to help them, and so we talk with them through it. And it's going to take multiple talks, maybe over the years. Specifically, my youngest son, he'll tell me about things that happened at school, uh, the way people treat him or certain situations. And I'll tell him, okay, I understand that. But how? let's let's look at it this way. One situation or one yes, situation is when people treat him wrong. And it's easy to get mad. It's easy to get upset. Yes, I can talk to the teacher. I can talk to the principal. But one of the things, especially as a Christian, especially as a spirit-filled Christian, is one, I teach my son to pray. I teach him to learn how to draw close to the Lord. And I teach him to treat people in spite of how they treat us. We treat people the way we want them to treat us. We treat them the way we, we would want to be treated in that situation. So... And I've had to do that time and time again, whether on the job, people that are close to me, sometimes people that are a part of, we're part of the same church, but it helps your maturity. It helps your growth. So examples of bad coping strategies are substance use and abuse. Biologically, I have some articles linked down below. Biologically, substance use and abuse actually harms you because when we talk about biology and we talk about you as an individual, all of who you are on the natural side of things is here. It's right here between your ears. It's your brain. All your coping strategies, all your coping mechanisms, all your memories, even your heartbeat, your breathing, all those things are contained right up in here in your brain. Your, your vital organ centers and how they run are here in the back. Your memory, your thinking, your processing or towards the top and in the front. And so substance abuse and substance use damages your memories. It damages your ability to learn. It can damage your your vital centers for how your brain running, your vital centers, your heartbeat, your lungs breathing. And it it deadens and it it dumbs you down essentially. It it will dumb you down, especially over time. And we can see this. We can clearly see this. That's why developing good solid coping skills and strategies are helpful. Another deceptive thing with substance use and abuse, it's a kind of double-edged sword. You can read this in the articles where it numbs you emotionally to the bad emotions and it also triggers your reward center. So you feel like, oh, it's helping because I feel a bit better sometimes and I don't feel the negative emotions. And so it's reinforcing a something that's actually harmful for you, much like drug use. Drug use does the same thing. Drug use, substance use, alcohol, and you can develop chemical dependencies on these things. So rumination. Rumination is more so like playing the negative scenarios and emotions over and over and over. You're ruminating on it. You're you're replaying it over and over. And that you're not really working through it. You're just kind of woe is me that's that's not healthy either you do want to be able to work through it deal with the emotions um and you are able to work through it especially if you involve god in your process because god can do things in you and through his church through your pastor but primarily uh, he will work through them to give you guidance but he himself by his supernatural presence his holy spirit he can help you process things. He can help you heal from things and to work through things so you don't get stuck in things like rumination. There's emotional numbing. Just I, I've, I've been there. I went through a breakup years ago when I was in my early years in the military and it was a totally bad breakup on my end. And I became emotionally numb because it was it was hard. I was disappointed in myself. I lost my self-respect and uh, I became emotionally numb. That way I didn't have to feel the emotions. And, you know, it, that was something hard to work out of. And so emotional numbing, these are bad things, bad strategies to have. Another one is escape. Escape deals with changing our behavior to avoid the situation. So 
perhaps we can think of when it comes to kids throwing a tantrum we don't want to deal with the consequences we we just throw tantrums or when we're kids we want a certain thing and so you know what do kids do they throw tantrums so they get what they want we had patients that they would get physically aggressive unfortunately i got hurt on the job because of patients that got physically aggressive that's Fighting is a coping strategy for them. Being aggressive, intimidation, a coping strategy. Different ways of escape. You know, perhaps we get whiny or, or perhaps because we have not processed certain things. Because we haven't processed things yet or appropriately, perhaps we're having anxiety attacks and different things. So different behaviors to help us get out of that situation that we don't want to deal with. Procrastination. This is something that I deal with, procrastination, depending on the situation. Procrastination, we're just sitting around. We don't want to work towards it. We don't want to deal with it. So we just procrastinate. We just put it off and put it off and put it off. But the problem never goes away, especially if it's emotional things, if it's outside things, they're not going to go away until we deal with them. We have to deal with the situation. And so what have you got up to this point? What things are you dealing with? What perhaps bad maladaptive coping skills do you see you taking part in? Like I said, there's an article linked down below that has more maladaptive coping skills. It does also have beneficial, good coping skills and strategies, emotionally based, situationally based strategies and skills. And so let me know, what are you dealing with so far? What have you learned so far? What insight have you gained so far? As well as how has God helped you in and through some of these processes so far? And so jumping back into this, when we're talking about doing these things as a Christian, all the skills and strategies we've talked about so far, the thing you can always inject into these skills is prayer. But here, specifically, it says injecting Christian spirituality. You want to stay close to your church family. You want to stay close to your church family. You always want to be prayerful. You want to see what God has to say, God's word, see what he says about different situations, different scenarios. Perhaps talk to your pastor if you don't know. If you don't have a pastor, let me tell you, you need a pastor. Pray and ask God to place you under the pastor in the care of the pastor. He wants you to be a part or he wants you to be in their care. And you need to be able to experience God's presence, both personally and collectively with God's church. That's one of the things I love about being part of a, what, a Spearfield church, specifically uh, Apostolic Pentecostal church. One is Pentecostal church is we try to keep the balance of both word and spirit. You know, when I'm going through hard times, I know that going uh, once we get to gather together again for service, once we get into praise and worship, I can just I can just release whatever I'm dealing with in my praise and in my worship. And many times the praise team leaders, they choose songs in their prayerfulness. They choose songs that minister directly to where I'm at because they allow God his input on what song should I sing, Lord? What what do you want to hear or what does somebody need to hear? And so that's the blessing of being part of a church family, the church family God wants you a part of, not the one you choose for yourself, but the one he wants you a part of. Prayer is your means of communication and personal relationship with God. God's word is his direct feedback many times, aside from any input he gives through his preached word or perhaps one of his other prayerful children shares with you as well as God's personal spirit. You need to have God's spirit. You need to be baptized in or with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. These are synonymous phrases that signify the same thing, although there are some slight nuances in regards to visual imagery. But you need to be involved. This is living for God is an ecosystem. It's not a, a buffet where you can pick one and not the other. It's an ecosystem. And if you exclude any one thing, you're messing up the ecosystem that God has prepared for you. Just like your car. Your car is an ecosystem of complementary moving parts. You have your cooling system. You have your heating system. You have the belts that drive things. You have your transmission. You have your pedals. You have all these different things that work together for the ecosystem of your car. And so God has provided an ecosystem for you that if you're not 
taking part in, you're going to have things that are missing. You're not going to have the growth and you're not going to be able to work through things the way God wants you to work through them. He's, you're not going to get the increase and the growth in order to help somebody else when somebody else goes through those things. So you want to involve all these things. So one thing, one of these things I wanted to bring up was, and it's the article that I, I linked down below, is crying. Crying is actually a way, it, many people see it as a weakness. I grew up where men don't cry necessarily. What we don't realize, and I, this is why sticking to the right science is so good and such a blessing just to have those insights, is crying is scientifically shown to, to release hormones that help you manage your stress that help you it and it flushes out the hormones the stress hormones it flushes them out it's linked in that article below on the benefits of crying and it helps flush out the stress hormones so sometimes when you just feel like you need to cry cry because it helps flush out those stress hormones through your tears and it's it's actually helpful and this is such an important part when we're talking about mental health this is a, such an important part of mental health you need a release. That's why the coping skills, coping strategies are so important. You need a way to release and to get those stress hormones out of your system and to release the hormones that are going to help you to heal, that are going to help you to feel better appropriately. Exercising uh, releases certain hormones that help you to feel better, that helps your body to relax. Walking, going for longer walks, not a five-minute walk, go for like a 30-minute walk or bike riding or talking with friends. I have one of my best friends. His name is John. When we were both still single, I can remember we were in my apartment and we were talking and there was something the Lord was dealing with me about, some hurt or some past hurt or something. And as I began to talk to him and, and share with him what was what my frustrations and what I felt God was doing, I can remember breaking down and crying. And, and in that moment, I could feel the release. I could feel the 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 burden just kind of go away. And so that the crying is actually a means of it's a coping well coping skill of when it's used appropriately. The coping strategies, the coping skills are a benefit when used properly. And so here and talking about crying just to show that God doesn't sugarcoat things. He doesn't make everybody that live for him he doesn't make them out to be these perfect heroes. He used everyday people like you and me that had really bad situations, potentially like you and me. And so in the book of Genesis, chapter 23, verses one through two, if you uh, go back and you follow, follow up on my Search for Truth 2 series, beginner Bible study series, and that playlist, you'll learn about this person, Abraham, if you don't know who he is. And Sarah was his wife. It says, now Sarah lived 127 years these were all the years of her life. Sarah died in Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Weeping is okay. Crying is okay. It is scientifically, they now by science, they can see that weeping and crying is very helpful. It is helpful in the relieving of stress. It is helpful in flushing the stress hormones of cortisol and different things out of your body that actually damage your body in the long run if we stay in that state of stress. So in talking about crying, we can see here that people that live for God, crying was normal. Crying, that, that wasn't seen as a negative thing. In talking about meditation, we can look at Abraham's son, Isaac. In chapter 24 of Genesis, verse 63, it says, Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted up his eyes and looked. And there the camels were coming. When we talk about biblical meditation, godly meditation, not talking about meditation, Eastern meditation, anything like that, that has its own, that opens you up to the wrong channel of the supernatural, the wrong channel of the spiritual dimension. When we're talking about biblical godly meditation, we're talking about what God said, meditate on his word, get to know his word, get your, your headphones, get your your AirPods, your earbuds, put them in your ears. You know, one, one of the things I do is I will put on my audio Bible and I will listen to it. I will listen to the New Testament. I will listen to the prophets. I will listen to the 
psalms, the, the poems, the psalms. I will listen to proverbs. I will listen to different places in order to be able to listen and to think about what God has said, to listen and to learn. So that way in my prayer time, when I'm going throughout the day, perhaps God brings something back to mind and then I can go back and pray on it. Or as he's bringing things to mind, he helps soothe whatever's going on within me. He helps, he helps give me insight, whatever it is. And so Isaac goes out to meditate in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter one. He talks about meditating on the word night and day, meditating on what God has said night and day, because we want what is in us to be the most beneficial thing. And God's word is always the most beneficial thing. It is the thing that directs us versus our bad or maladaptive coping skills. And talking about people around you, being part of a church family, being involved in your church family, talking with family, talking with friends. King David's son, King Solomon, he says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion and lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him. And this is why community is so important. That the church is God's community. The church that practices and lives out the things, all the things that Jesus' apostles taught and practiced. The church that baptizes in Jesus' name like the apostles did, that taught about the oneness of God like the apostles did, that taught about living a holy and righteous life like the apostles did, all of it, not excluding any of it. And that's why being part of a church family, the church that God wants you to be a part of is so important. Because once again, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their effort. For if either falls, his companion can lift him. If you're doing this by yourself, you're doing it wrong. If you're doing this by yourself, you have nobody to help you. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another lift him. You you may not be friends with everybody in the church and that's, you know, in its own ways that's understandable because some churches are really big, you know, but to have at least that circle of friends within the church that perhaps are interconnected to other circles, you have somebody to be there to help you when you're going through hard times. And they're going to lead you and guide you to be closer to God. They're going to pray with you. They're going to pray for you and help you through the situation. One of my mentors and a big brother to me, you know, unfortunately, he he lost his wife as we were transferring into our current church from our first church. And, you know, hopefully there were people there. He would have to tell you one of these days, I'll get him on here. But he would tell you himself. But he did share things that he dealt with. and. You know, I pray that us as a church family, that we that we were there to help him and to support him. I know our pastor was in different things because of the nearness of their relationship. But if he was doing it all by himself, you know, God knows what actions he would have taken or wouldn't have taken. And so this is why you have to be connected to people that are prayerful, people that Try to stay close to God through his word. Try to stay close to God through his church, through his bride. You don't want to do this by yourself. And talking about spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, and and how they play into going through problems, dealing with stresses, dealing with situations. In writing to the Christians in the city of Philippi, the Apostle Paul says this in chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, don't worry about anything. In one translation, in one translation, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Oh, man. In home, uh, verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses every thought. There is a peace of God that God imparts to our spirits and our souls by his supernatural presence, his Holy Spirit, that you can't even put it into words. There's no way to describe it when you experience it. And it's not a one-time thing. It's over and over and over when it's needed and when we give him the place to do it, to, to impart his peace, to give us his peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and mine in Christ Jesus. See, this is this is hard sometimes because we'll bring to God things in prayer and petition, 
but to give him thanksgiving in those moments is so hard. I had to do this just yesterday and today as we found out the passing of a very dear loved one to my family and just the weeping and the crying. But I had to turn around and begin to thank God for the time we had with that individual, for being a part of that individual's life in this season and being a part of that the family's life in this season and how God entrusted us and trusted my family to be a part of this family's life and life situation in this season of time. So I began to give God thanks and appreciation that he would even trust us with such a scenario. And so we have to learn how to give God thanks for all he has done and the things uh, he's going to do even in the darkest seasons of life. And in talking about the community aspect of dealing with issues and talking to the Christians in Galatia in the sixth chapter of his letter, Paul, to the Galatian Christians, he says this, he says, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus himself in another place, and this is why being spirit-filled is so important. In the Gospel of John, in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So we talked about those maladaptive coping strategies, those bad coping strategies talking about the substance abuse, the avoidance, all these different things. He says, I do not give you peace. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. The world is going to give you its strategies for peace. It's going to give you medication. It's going to give you drugs. It's going to give you alcohol. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. Jesus' peace by his spirit, his supernatural presence in your life is unlike anything this world can offer you. And so where do you find yourself in need of these things? Where do you find yourself with the maladaptive coping strategies? What beneficial or good coping strategies and skills do you see? Which ones do you want to put into practice? If you want the peace that God has for you, you need to go through the process of being born again of water and spirit. If you don't know what that means, or if you're curious about it, you can check out this video right here if you're on YouTube, and I will link it down below if you're on the podcast version, the audio version. And until the next video, God bless you in Jesus' name.